Own Your Creativity, Episode 23. You have to believe in you. If you don't, who else will? You're listening to the Own Your Creativity Podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. This show is your weekly dose of creativity and inspiration, but I've also put together a free video series to kickstart your creativity. You can find that at bit.ly forward slash OYC1, bit.ly forward slash OYC1. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited today to be speaking to musician Fred Graham. He has 50 years of percussion experience in playing, teaching, and adjudicating competitions. At the age of 14, he began playing the snare drum in the same Belfast accordion band as his father. It was this marching band that won the All-Ireland Championship. Fred's love of percussion has found expression in many ways, including competing with Scottish pipe bands in Ireland and here in Canada, playing in a Montreal jazz band, a Scots Cayley band, and being a percussionist with traditional Quebec folk dance troops. Currently, Fred Graham is touring and playing with the Irish Rovers band as their drummer and percussionist. Fred has also appeared in the feature film Brooklyn. He had a bit part where he played, surprisingly, a drummer in a band during the dance hall scene. Another interesting thing about Fred is that after he retired as Chief Inspector at Rolls-Royce Canada, he turned his hands to making Bowrons, the Irish frame drum. He also plays and teaches the instrument, which is how I met Fred. Thank you so much for joining us, Fred. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Elizabeth. Lovely to be here, and thanks for your kind invitation. So it was the 50th anniversary of the Irish Rovers in what year? 2015. 2015. And, and so the, 20, the year of 2015 was supposed to be the farewell tour, wasn't it? Well, it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the farewell tour, but the, obviously things change as, as time goes on, but farewell to roving was what the... Uh, official name was and it was supposed to end at the final tour in 2015 and it was again supposed to finish in Nanaimo and on that um, fateful day was ostensibly going to be I believe it was going to be actually on St. Patrick's Day and going to be filmed and it was filmed it was filmed the two shows we did in Nanaimo in 2015 were filmed in the Nanaimo Theatre, uh, the the waterfront, I think it's called, and uh, from that was to be uh, the farewell DVD. But with the interest that has been shown in having the band come back to various venues, when people seem to now believe that the band is actually not going to be touring anymore, they all of a sudden are interested in having you come to their theatre because... The Irish Rovers is an enormous draw for all age groups. I mean, we play to great-grandpa, grandpa, dad, two kids, and four cats and dogs. So everybody turns out when we when we blow into town. So the, the, the actual, quote, retirement, unquote, has kind of been put on hold, and we will continue touring, but to a much lesser degree. You have a really interesting story about how you joined the band. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Well, that that was quite a 
quite a surprise actually. Um, as you know, I make the Irish frame drum a Bowron, and I teach that. And when I had retired from my engineering job at Rolls-Royce Canada, aircraft engines, I decided to make these drums. And I opened a workshop in my house, and everything was tickety-boo, and I was making three or four drums a year and happily finding people who were very pleased to buy them. And I was convinced by one of my students who uh, was quite savvy on the Internet. Gee, I wonder who that was. Oh, I wonder who it was. I think her initials are Elizabeth Johnston. <laughs> anyway, I was convinced to start a, a website, and the website was really well done. And I published the website. So once upon a time, I got this email again coming from a Mr. George Miller, M-I-L-L-A-R. And I thought it was a George Miller that I worked with at Rolls-Royce. And I opened it, and it was, hello, this is George Miller of the Irish Rovers. And we found you on the Internet and blah, blah, blah. Wondered if you might be interested in playing and touring with a band. I thought it was a joke. So I deleted it. I don't know him. He can't know me. I mean, after all, I'm just... Anyway, so a couple of days later, that was in April 2007, by the way. A couple of days later, I got another incoming email from the same George Miller saying, look, we're really anxious because we need to replace a drummer um, for an upcoming tour got your name from the Barrow McNeils down in Newfoundland, would you be interested? Uh, send me a note, or better still, phone me. And the phone number he gave me was a, the 250 code, which is the west coast of Canada. And I remembered that that George Miller of the Irish Rovers actually lived on Vancouver Island. I thought, wait a minute, this is too much of a coincidence. If it's a joke, someone's playing on me, they're doing a very good job. So I picked up the phone and I phoned. And it was the George Miller. Wow. And to shorten the story a bit, um, he came to Montreal on his way to Halifax to interview another drummer. And we spent a few hours together. And the result was that he shook my hand when he left. And he said, well, you'll be joining us on our tour back to New Zealand. So in September, October 2007, I did my first tour with a band with the Irish Rovers in New Zealand, and it was just fabulous, just wonderful. Wow, what a story. Yeah. I worked with, well, I, I played with a lot of professional, semi-professional amateur musicians, and very few of them believe the story, but here I am, and if you're in my office here, you can see all the posters, and it's me, and it is the Irish Rover. <laughs> so, but it's a and lot of fun. You were also in, a, in another band for uh, quite a long time, too. What, what was yes, that about? I, part of my background was uh, what helped, I suppose, was the knowledge of several types of music, including Celtic, Irish, and Scottish. But I played uh, Dixieland Jazz with a, a six-piece group here in Montreal. We played pubs. Uh, we started off in a Czechoslovakian restaurant. <laughs> We played for an audience of 50, and that rapidly grew to bulging quantities. But we played for 23 years in different little bars and pubs around Montreal before the Irish pubs actually were allowed to set up and have uh, draft Guinness. So 23 years with the Dixieland Band, every Thursday night, 
Cafe Prague on Bishop Street. Never missed a Thursday. And it was that was great too. I loved it. I had a day job, of course, and uh but this was a way to blow off steam and to keep track of my ten thousand hours as uh the beat. Malcolm Gladwell said, says yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's 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 true, you know. You you don't realize how fast uh time is going, but certainly the number of times you play is very important for how you feel about music. And how you you played that set maybe a month or two ago, but this is an opportunity now to play it and play it slightly differently, which is what jazz is mostly about. Mm-hmm. Variations mm-hmm. on a theme. So, so what's your definition of creativity? <laughs> well, to create something new or modify something... Uh, it requires, a, it's a thought process. It's a, it's a feeling process. For example, when I get new music and I'm awaiting some music for an upcoming CD, when I get that music, I will only have either a voice singing a melody line. So I have to take that by itself and decide how would a drummer, how would a percussionist, what sounds can I create? that will augment this piece of music. So I simply get a feel for it. It's all, For me, mostly it's about the feeling. Have you had a time in your life where you weren't connected to some form of creativity? I know that, that you were in the Dixie Jazz uh, Band for, for 20 years, and that's while you, while you were at Rolls-Royce, but... Um, why did you need to do that in addition to your very busy schedule at Rolls-Royce? You know, that's not something that you thought, okay, I'm too busy, I have to give it up. You you were continuing to do that every week for 20 years. Well, I started very young um, in Belfast where I was born and grew up. I used to follow marching bands, particularly walking along behind the drummers. I would follow them all over the city and I would often get lost. And it became actually a need. It was something that I grew up with I needed to do. So whether I had a day job or not, I needed to have an escape from the regimentation of nine to eight, not nine to five, certainly, eight o'clock to half past four or whatever it was. I needed to have something that allowed me to unwind or unravel <laughs> And get down from the pressure of working within a very restrictive kind of job. Uh, Working in aircraft engines, you you can't, there's no room for creativity in terms of making up a new way to put this together. You can't. It's got to be done by the book. There are innovative ways that you can use your time to do that, but that requires an awful lot of skill. So... I really don't know that um, my creativity was ever not there. It was something that I was, all my life I've been doing things. Uh, making the Baurons is a very creative thing. I follow my own design and I follow things that my clients want me to make for them. What kind of sound they want, I have to be able to produce that. So I have to know what how I can change that sound. So I learned that 
but all was doing something was to get away from the rigidity of a, a working life. And it was it had to be fun. And when I played with the Dixie Band, I, I always said the same thing. When this stops being fun, I will quit. And I did. And that was, I wasn't traumatic at all. It was simply it needed to be done. Uh, when I played with the Quebec dancing troops, the traditional Quebec dancing troops, very much the same. Uh, it didn't continue to be fun, so I quit. At the time, of course, I was I was already playing with the Irish Rovers, and that took more, more of my attention, but I was quite happy to be able to do both, and I was. But there comes a time when one was less fun than it should or could have been, and that's when I moved on. It's so interesting to hear you speak because it seems like there was never a time in your life that you didn't pursue creative things. And there's a lot of people out there that think it's one or the other and that you can't integrate creativity or play into your daily life. And so why do you think it was so easy for you or just second nature for you to integrate creativity into your regular life? Well, I think everyone has a certain level of creativity within them. And I think everyone has the opportunity to allow that to take up room in their day or life. For myself, uh, as I said, playing the drum or playing drums became a need. And it had to be because of the work that I was doing. I was under an awful lot of pressure. Uh, as I matured into the jobs I was doing at Rolls-Royce. So you have to have another thing to occupy your your mind. And uh, a lot of people look at drummers and say, oh, gee, that looks so easy. I could, anybody could do that. Of course, anybody could. But it takes, it takes an awful lot of concentration and it does take skill. Something you have to learn. Not many people are willing to learn a new skill, but they have the means within them to do that. That's maybe the difference is that they don't pursue it because it requires extra work. And if you've got a nine to five job uh, that is boring you, you're likely to be bored when you go home. Um, Perhaps the best you can do is walk the dog and get the mail at the end of the day. But there is something in everybody in that person too that could be utilized and perhaps should be to get them into something that will change their thought process. Yeah, I think that... It it certainly makes you feel a lot better at the end of of any day. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that that's key. You know, doing something that will change your thought process from that overwhelmed or boring or stressful thought process that you get hooked into. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, I think, um, I'm 72 years old and I don't feel 72 years old. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel as a 72 year old. All I know is what I'm doing, I love. If I don't love it, I'll find something else that I'm going to love. That's, that's the difference. And it makes me feel quite young and quite vigorous because the adage is true. You play hard, you live hard, you enjoy yourself, and it, it works. You don't, you don't feel the time passing at all. I do not want to be 
an old man sitting in a shopping mall drinking coffee and watching the world go by. I want to be the world going by. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, well, I'm glad you asked that. I have a little poem here. It was written by a man called Walter Wintle, and it's called Thinking. And it was written probably around the early part of 1900s, 1905, 06. And I won't read it all, but key lines have stuck with me all my life from a kid. It was something that my mom and dad had found on, you know, one of those pin it on the wall kinds of things with a little calendar on below, down below it. And when the calendar ran out, my mom snipped it off and kept that up. And it's from that poem. And it is, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, don't. If you think you'd like to win, but think you can't, then you won't. For in the world we find, life's battles always don't go to the stronger or faster man. But sooner or late, the man who wins is the fellow who thinks he can. And that's the best bit of advice. You have to believe in you and you have to believe that you can do it. And I think you have to believe that you deserve that too. Because I think that's what, you know, a lot of probably what informed your decisions about engaging in creative activities is that you felt that you deserve that. Yes. And I deserve the rewards of playing with probably the best known Irish band on this earth today. The band has been touring for 50 years. And the crowd never, ever gets tired of coming and saying, wow, what a show. Those are the songs of my granda. I still have the LPs. I still have the tapes. That's 50 years ago. And people are still stunned by the fact that this band is still going. It must be so rewarding to get that feedback and hear that from people after the shows. Of course. We, we spend, the show is actually quite a long evening for us. We'll spend just under one hour of the first set. We'll have 20 minutes for a cup of tea and a sandwich, maybe. No drinking. And then the second set is an hour and 10 minutes about. Then we change our shirts. I don't have time because I have my special little doodads that I use on the percussion kit on stage. So I have to pack them very quickly. And then we go out front and we spend an hour signing autographs. So that's a three-hour performance because the signing is probably the most important part of the show is to be able to talk and contact the people who have spent all that time driving hundreds of kilometers to go to, for example, Winkler, Manitoba. Now, where's Winkler, Manitoba? (laughs) It's a very small town, but everybody who lived there, plus the surrounds, they were all there. And it was a great show. They're all great shows. So what is one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? Oh, my goodness. My personal habits. I'm a very good absorber. I'm a very good listener. 
That's one of the skills I developed over many years. But I can hear a piece of music, for example, and I can feel how I would fit into that. So I'm very good at fitting myself in, not only in the music, but in personality as well. One of the things that George Miller had said was, quote, I'm not looking for the world's best drummer, but I need someone who can play drums and who fits with the band, unquote. I fit with the band. I fit very well everywhere. So so one of the things that you were you were just saying there is that your uh, a personal skill or habit that you have is that you listen well. Yes. You also did the the score for my video poem. Yes. What, what was that process like for you? Well, uh, very much the same as I've said. It's about feeling. Uh, the subject of the poem was your grandmother, who was born in Poland, who went through the Second War. I went through the Second War too, by the way. I was born in 1944. Not the all of it, but. Certainly, I as growing up as a child, I remember the bomb sites all over the city of Belfast. And for into the early 50s, they remained that way because the government never had any money to fix it. Anyway, for your grandmother, because of her background as a Pole, uh, I felt it was um, at least polite to use the themes or the feelings from one of the greatest Polish musicians, uh, Chopin, Frederick Chopin. So I listened to some of Chopin's music to get a feel for what might uh, trigger an emotion to listeners and viewers of such a short uh, video. It's only, what, three and a half minutes or something? It's two minutes, actually. (laughs) Well, there you go. So... Two minutes is not a long time to make a huge impression, but this had the last. So I found three pieces with themes therein that I could take and get a feeling that was continuous because Chopin's work doesn't always finish what he starts. There's many things that differ in, in the piece. So I took several of those and... Two other musicians that I know, uh, Gord Fish on guitar and Sarah on fiddle. And I told them what I wanted. I didn't tell them to copy this. I, I played the feelings for them. I said, this is what a feeling I want. And I want it to end towards the end of the, the film with a very high note. And as the, we developed it, I came across another recording from a soundtrack of the film Dancing at Lunasa with uh, Meryl Streep. And it's the Irish uh, orchestra playing that theme. So I took that ending and I told them, this is the kind of sound I want. The ascension notes up and up till it's soaring. And to me, that represented the release of your grandmother's spirit. And the final touch was that Obviously, after so many years, she was she was born in Poland and she died in Canada quite some time ago. But I'm sure in your heart that she was still alive. So what I what I tried to um, create was the feeling that perhaps maybe only you would hear was the heartbeat that was still 
her heartbeat. So I, I, I tried to simulate that with a boom, 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 a softening tone on a tom-tom. And I think it worked really well. For two minutes, it, 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 it hit the spot. And when the fiddler played, and I kept saying, no, no, one more, up, up, and up, they didn't know where to stop. I said, and when you get to this note, just hold the note. And it worked. And it's a really nice little composition. So yeah, I didn't it compose beautiful. it. Neither did Chopin. But what they did was they influenced the feelings that I had. And I hit on something that I thought, this will work. And it does. It works extremely well, I think. Oh, and yeah, it does. It's so moving. Yep. I, I couldn't imagine a, a better match in terms of the music to, to the words. It was a lovely, lovely arrangement. Well, maybe that, that might be something that the end of your video here, or the video at the end of this interview, you could just play that soundtrack so some of your listeners might be able to hear it. Oh, what a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so what person inspires you to be creative? And it could be somebody alive or dead or somebody that you actually know personally or, or, or not. Well, probably my parents. More than anybody, my parents. Because, um, well, my dad played an instrument. My dad played accordion all his life. My mom was a very good harmonica player. She sang very well. And my dad sang very well. And together they sang really well. And I remember as a teenager on a Saturday night when I would be coming back from the, the heart of Belfast, I would get off the bus to deliberately walk past the little pub on the Shankle Road where they had the singing. Everyone had a party piece and everyone was able to perform for their audience. So my mom and dad would often sing together and they would harmonize together. So I would go and I would push the door open because as a teenager, you're not allowed, it weren't allowed into the pubs. But I could remember standing there and hear them singing. And they both had hard lives. They grew up in a very poor part of Belfast. My dad worked in the shipyards. And of course, as a laborer, when the ships were launched, the first ones who were let go from the jobs were the laborers. So he was in and out of work. My mom was in and out of work, just as everyone on our street was. And through a tough life, they found the inspiration to sing songs. And that is, that's extremely powerful. If you can see unemployed people, I mean, my dad didn't make much, but when he was unemployed, <laughs> there was nothing. When you see them out of the blue, my mom would start singing and she was frying the onions to death or something. And then my dad would join in, and my dad sang a very high harmony line. And it was wonderful to hear the two of them. And then, of course, that spread to my brother, and my older sister tried. And with the Irish Rovers, I stumbled through a song or two. But it's not to be a star. It's to let that emotion out. So that's, that's the inspiration right there, my mom and dad. That's beautiful. Do you have a favorite work of art? And it can be any type of art, um, a song, a film, a poem, painting, any sort of art. Hmm. Well, I like the group of seven, but probably the, the song is a song that really is uh, head and shoulders above everything. And it's, um, 
probably the song that my my dad sang very well and I used to play with a little Cayley band in Montreal, Scottish Cayley. We had a, a bagpiper or two and we would perform in Legions and of course we would perform at Remembrance Day, 11th of November and when the crowds in the Legions found out that I was Irish or of Irish birth, they would always ask for the same song, Danny Boy. So I would sing that. Now it's a heartbreaker because it's the story of someone who goes away. So it has become almost the anthem, in my mind anyway, of immigration. And that's, that's the one. That's the one that sticks. And do you have a favorite quote that inspires you? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Well, maybe it's the poem that you read us. I think, I think that's, yeah, that, that, going back to that one, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, don't. If you, that's, that's not the whole poem. That's just the bits that my memory sti- will stick with. But it's the, the, it's the final lines. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the fellow who thinks he can. You have to believe in you. If you don't, who else will? Exactly. Exactly. So where can people find you on the Internet? Well, I have a website, uh, www.ardglen-baurons.com. Now, that's quite a mouthful. So it's it's A R D G L E N one word hyphen or dash barons b o d h r a n s dot com, and that's my website. Great, thank you. And if anyone wants to send me a message, send it to Fred at ardglenbarons dot com. All right. So anything else? And sorry, <laughs> on my website, so people know. On the last page, not the last page, there's news. And that I try to keep that up to date with what I've, I keep it as what I've done. Because once upon a time I said to someone, gee, I haven't done an answer to a question. How have you been doing? What have you been doing? Oh, not very much. And when I got home, I went on my computer and uh, I looked at what I've been doing. And I was absolutely amazed at the amount of things I had been doing that I'd forgotten about. And I think many of us are like that too. We don't really remember or don't put credence to what we've done. We do it and forget it. No, we have to celebrate that. But that's those are huge achievements. So go on my web when you go on my website, go to links and news or news and whatever it is, I can't remember, but it's mostly news. And that'll tell you what I've done and what I'm about to do hopefully with the Irish Rover. All right, we'll do that. So thank you so much, Fred, for taking the time to speak with me today. I just find you so inspiring. And uh, thank you so much. Well, you're the one that inspired me with my with my website. So thank you, Elizabeth. It it's comes full circle. To you. <laughs> full circle is closed. Thank you. And in the immortal words of the Irish Rovers, wasn't that a party? To visit Fred's website, you can go to bit.ly forward slash Fred Graham, bit.ly forward slash Fred Graham. Fred is F-R-E-D-G-R-A-H-A-M.
Also, remember to check out my free videos to help you kickstart your creativity. You'll find them at bit.ly forward slash OYC1. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email to info at ownyourcreativity.com. I'd love to hear from you. See you next week. And until then, own your creativity.